Well, take out your Bibles, if you would, with me, and you can open to Isaiah 9-6. Isaiah 9-6. I want to kick off this Christmas season. In fact, my message today and all month as we look at some of these words, and his name shall be called. Oh, yes, dismiss the youth. Any of the youth here, I'm sorry. They were waving at me and checking my mic and everything. His name will be called. You know, I love Christmas time, don't you? I love eggnog. Anybody love eggnog? I love fruitcake. I have a slice or two and I'm done for, you know, the year. But those are the things that I enjoy. And I know my, my kids hear this story often, but I know that I was the only kid, maybe eight years old, that was spanked and grounded on Christmas morning. There's probably, I, I, I'm sure there's not one anywhere in the world. So I remember that, that night particular because I was going to wait up all night because I believed that my mom was Santa. I, I, I knew it. And I was going to stay up. The fire was going in the fireplace. And I don't know what time I fell asleep, but I fell asleep and I woke up in three stockings, three stockings, Stuffed with toys. I'm eight years old. And I don't know what came to my mind. Well, it was probably the devil, right? I thought about dumping out all three stockings, choosing the best toys and putting it in my stocking, and putting the rest in my brother's. And that's exactly what I did. I, but in the midst of dumping out and separating, have you ever had the feeling somebody's watching you? And I remember I looked up, and there's my mother, horrified that her son is going through all of the brother's toys. And my mom believed in spanking. So I was spanked all the way back to my room and grounded until after lunch on Christmas morning. True story, right? True story. So I always remember, and you know, I'll tell that story to my kid. We've heard that forever. But I said, I'm the only one. Well, we're going to look at a story today that there was only one Savior. There was only one that was born so that he would live and that he would die for me and, and would raise again. There was only one. And we're going to read about that. So in Isaiah 9, 6, this one verse, it, it is sad sometimes that we only read this during Christmas time, but I'd like us all to read it together. It's up here on the screen. Ready? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's read the end of his name. Ready? And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Father, we stop and we thank you for your words today that come into our heart and cause change. Your, your word is alive. It's living. And so, Lord, as we read your words and we focus on your names we serve a Savior whose name is Jesus, but it was prophesied that he would be our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, 
our everlasting Father and our Prince of Peace. So open our eyes and our hearts to understand that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 700 years before Jesus is born. This is written from Isaiah. In fact, when you think about Isaiah's prophecies, he sees the Father in the throne room. He sees, in fact, it's mentioned a couple of times, he sees and proclaims it to the people that a Messiah is going to come, that he's going to be born. He's going to have these names. He sees in Isaiah 53, and you can read on, that the Savior would be crucified. In fact, he uses the images of he would be marred more than any other man. He would be broken. So Isaiah is prophesying, writing these things down 700 years before it's going to happen. You know, and I try to do pretty good when, when something important comes to me. I try to capture it on my phone in a special file that I can remember. I'm pretty good about calendar events. But I've never put anything down. Yeah, I want to make sure to put that in here. That's going to happen in 700 years. No. We think of next week or, you know, even next year. Uh, this week, uh, I, I speak at a, it's a Christian credit union at their chapel. Last year in January, I get the email that they'd love to have me back again and do chapel. And they wanted to check on this date. Well, this is in January. How does December 4th work for you? Like, wait a minute here. Am I reading this right? Boy, they're organized. They're booked, you know, they must be booked all the way out. Maybe they're saving the best for last. That's just what, you know, that's what I thought. Some of you get that. So I go, I thought, boy, they're organized. They planned it all out. Well, Isaiah speaks this out. He doesn't know when it's going to happen. 700 years later, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In fact, in the Hebrew, the word wonderful, we don't use that word much, but it, it means to wonder, to be extraordinary, to be one too wonderful for words. Too wonderful for words. He is. How do you describe the Savior? He's too wonderful for words. The word counselor is more common to all of us. It means to advise, to consult, to guide, or to devise a plan. So our wonderful counselor is too wonderful for words, but he's come to help devise a plan in our lives. Now, when Jesus started ministry, it wasn't until he was about 30 years of age, and he didn't start ministry until he was baptized in the Jordan River. In fact, if we read that, we see that the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And in Mark 9, 7, I think this is so important for us. It says, then a cloud came and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I love. Read the last three words with me. Listen to him. Okay, so remember this. His ministry is starting at age 30. He's being baptized in the Jordan River. God speaks. The Holy Spirit comes down. The Bible says, like a dove. And as God speaks, he wants those that hear it then 
And he wants those that read it to read this. Listen to him. Listen to him. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to listen to me. No, no, don't say that. You need to listen to him. You listen to him. So as we go in and we think about the wonderful counselor in this season, am I taking the time to listen to him? How many times in conversations are we waiting for the other person just to shut their mouth so I can tell them what I have to say? Because it's more important. You don't do that, do you? Listening. John 10, 27, Jesus says these words, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to what I say. And I know them, and they follow me. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. You know, have you ever gone to the doctor, and the doctor says to you, here's the plan that we have for you. We need you to start exercising. You need to stop eating these type of foods so that we can get you back on track. Have any of you never listened to the doctor? <laughs> All right, we got a couple honest people. All right. And you walk out that door, and you're going to in and out <laughs> Sorry to the <laughs> doctor's like, I can help you. You just got to do this. And you, you shake your head, and they go out, and they don't do it, right? You ask your kids to clean their room first thing in the morning before they go to school, and they shake their head yes, and you go back in the room. Is it clean? No. Who wants to clean their room in the morning? I'm just going to get back in that bed at night. How many times are we just used to not listening or we are told exactly what to do and we don't do it? Here's what God says, though. This is my son. You need to listen to him. You need to hear what he has to say. You need to follow him. Follow those things that he says. You know, um, for all eternity, he is Jesus. And evidently, these names are somehow linked in here. But the book of Revelation, there's a couple places that talk about that we possibly may get a new name. Hey, that's not pretty bad, is it? Get a new name? You know, I looked up the number one boy's name going into 2020 is Liam. And the girl's name is Emma. And then I, I always, for fun, though I know the answer, I look up my name and it was number one in 1870. There you find Walter. But Jesus' name will never change. It's constant. It's firm. The wonderful counselor will never hang up his hat. He's always going to be the wonderful counselor. Too wonderful for words. He'll guide you and consult you and devise a plan. What an amazing thing to think about. Think about his birth even. There's nothing weaker than a child at birth. Have you ever watched those National Geographic programs? There's a lot of animals out there on the plains that the moment it's born, it's up and it's running. You know why? Otherwise, if it sits too long and cries, it's going to be somebody's dinner. But think of a baby. A baby's helpless, completely dependent on its parents, completely dependent on being changed and fed for years, right? And years. 
And in all of that, Jesus could have come. God could have put him at a 30-year-old man. Boom, right? Well, how did Adam show up? Was he a baby? No, he was a man. How did Eve show up? She was a woman. But God chose to have him born and have a prophet say it, that a child would come. He even would use Micah the prophet to say it's going to come out of Bethlehem. He's the one that's going to be the ruler. This is the one. God's going to say it ahead of time. He's going to take the weakest thing, place it in earth to be born just like you and I would. In fact, uh, we read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, talking about Jesus, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. Made himself of no reputation. So I thought about those two words, wonderful counselor, and I made a quick little list here. And I thought about earthly counselors. Many of us, or maybe all of us, have gone at one time, we've seen a counselor, or we've talked to a life coach, or a psychologist, a psychiatric doctor, somebody, a mentor, uh, a friend. In fact, we know this according to Proverbs. In the multitude of counsel, there's safety. Proverbs also lets us know, I believe it's chapter 18, verse 1, that a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire, and he rages against all wise counsel. So we understand the importance of people to talk to, but there's also the wonderful counselor. You know, an earthly counselor must ask you the correct questions to know what you need. The wonderful counselor knows your past, your present, and your future. An earthly counselor hopes to help you, and if they can't help you, they will refer you on to somebody who they think can help you. The wonderful counselor knows exactly how to help you, and he needs nobody else. The earthly counselor, you must make an appointment and fit in their time schedule. The wonderful counselor is always open, never closed. The earthly counselor has a fee or a copay. But the wonderful counselor has already paid the price himself in his blood for us. The wonderful counselor, though, is the one that we have to do what he says to do. In fact, let's listen to some of the words of the wonderful counselor in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice the wonderful counselor says, I want to give you the rest. I want to take your burden. I want you to learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly. In fact, if we were to um, go back in the Old Testament and look at King Saul and what the children of Israel were told would happen if they self-appointed a king, he's going to take your kids, he's going to take your land, he's going to tax you. He's going to take, 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 take. Here's what we read the difference with Jesus. I'll take what's a heavy burden on you, and I'll put it on me. 
And you're going to take my yoke that's light and easy, but you need to learn from me. Learning from Jesus is listening to Jesus. Listening to Jesus is when I get a chance to go through and read these red letters of what he says and see the example that he's showing me. So I thought about this. If we were to throw another category of world leaders, the word govern means we should be just protected, right? We're to be protected. There's to be laws. Uh, we're to have certain forms of government, but too many times it's tax and control. So I'm going to just take world leaders as a general thought. World leaders, it's what they can get from you. Jesus is all about what he can do for you. World leaders surround themselves with servants. Jesus surrounded himself with his servanthood. World leaders use their power to build up and control their own kingdoms. Jesus used his power to wash the disciples' feet. And he laid his own life down to make us clean and free. World leaders trade their influence for money and power. Jesus, God so loved the world that he gave. World leaders, the higher the place of importance, the more inaccessible they are. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. World leaders are desperate to be seen and heard. It's interesting in Jesus' ministry, even at birth, he came in under the radar. It was announced to the shepherds. I was reading it again this morning in Luke. They, after they saw the child, they went and told everybody what they had heard from the angels. We don't see anything later until the wise men, probably two years later, it came to a house. And they inquired about Herod. Herod has to get with the scribes and the, and, the, and the Bible people of the day to try to figure out the time that it was. No big fanfare. Jesus came right in under the radar. Even in his ministry, when people would be healed and set free, there was that time where he said, don't tell anybody. Is that so opposite of our culture today? Hey, please go tell everybody. Don't tell. He knew his time. He knew he had to fulfill so many certain things that he would say, even in the most joyous part of a person, don't tell anybody. He's, he was making sure that every prophetic word would be fulfilled before he said, it is finished. You know, if you took the Bible and you were trying to figure out how to fulfill every prophecy, all right, we got to get some kid born in Bethlehem. We got to get, it can't be any fanfare. I mean, people are from the East are going to come. I mean, you, you couldn't figure that out well enough. You know, though Jesus isn't in charge in the halls of Washington, D.C., of London, of Moscow, of Paris, the government, though, will be upon his shoulders. And you know the difference when we look at it? His government is when lives are restored and families come back together. His government is when Christians love and care for one another. When people hunger and thirst for righteousness, the government is upon his shoulders. I was thinking about when people leave careers 
or they traveled to uh, other nations to go and live to preach the gospel, that's when his kingdom is on his shoulders. And those of us that live by faith in what he says, that's Jesus and his government that comes upon his shoulders. You know, his government is alive. His government is at work throughout the world. In fact, it might be silent sometimes. It might seem to be unseen, but his kingdom is always expanding. So the Messiah is wonderful. What he has done for you should fill you with wonder. You know, the eyes of a child on Christmas morning are filled with wonder, isn't it? Filled with wonder. What Jesus has done for us should fill our eyes with wonder. The Messiah Jesus is our counselor. Jesus is the one fit for every need. He's our immediate resource. Jesus can help you with any and all of the problems that you have or any and all of the problems that you might face. He can use his very presence and the words that we read to accomplish that very thing. He is our counselor. You know, I love uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. It says these words. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Now think about this. Jesus, the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords says, I can sympathize with what you're going through. Because I lived life just as you are right now. In fact, it goes on, but was at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us come boldly to that throne of grace, that wonderful counselor. That mighty God, the everlasting Father, is waiting for us to listen to him. You know, when my daughter was four, we were living in La Mirada, and I was in, um, I was in a master's program, and they had given this one example, and I thought I'd try it out on my four-year-old. So we were sitting down one night, and I said, okay, Madison, I'm going to tell you two stories. Really, Dad? Yeah, two stories. And then I want you to tell me what you think at the end of the story. I said, it's Christmas morning. You come down the stairs. There's the Christmas tree. And you look and all around the Christmas tree is presents. And everyone says, Madison. But dad's not going to be home that day. Where are you going? No, no, it's just a story, right? All right, story two. It's Christmas morning. You come down the stairs and you see the Christmas tree. There's no presents under the Christmas tree. But here I am, there's dad sitting in the couch waiting for you to come down the stairs. What are you going to do? She didn't even take her a moment. She said, we can ship you something. <laughs> Four-year-old, right? Yeah, get dad out of here. We'll ship you something so I can have my presents. The, the, does that sound about something? The example was, are, are we looking for presents under a tree? Are we looking for the presents of Jesus. Let me read that last word. Mark 9, 7. A cloud came, covered them, and a voice from the cloud came saying, 
This is my son whom I love. Hear the father's heart. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Bow your heads if you would today. So Lord, we we stop for a moment. We're never too far from the wonderful counselor. But Lord, we stop and we look on the inside of our heart. We take those words and really make it part of who we are, that we listen to what Jesus has to say. Lord, I pray this December that we all take that opportunity and we go through and we find out who he is in our life. He's everything. His presence is everything that we're looking for. He is the only thing that can fulfill every need that we have. And like he said, without me, you can do nothing. With every head bowed and every eye closed, You know, another example we read in the book of Revelation is that he's knocking. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's the one that desires to come in. And if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, or maybe you're asking him, you've taken a time, you've run away, and you want to come back, I want us all to pray this very same prayer. When we pray it, though, we mean it from our heart as this prayer is out of Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. In fact, let's all repeat after me. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived and that he died for me, but he rose again. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for bringing me into your family. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with me if you would. In fact, if you prayed that prayer, boy, so important, please let us connect with you. Uh, It's so important.